what do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey everyone, it is Rachel Silver Cohen. This is Unpolished Therapy. I'm with the one and only Dr. Boca, and here we go. What's up, Dr. Boca? Hi, it's so good to see you and be back here. How are you? I, know, I love to be seen. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's crazy time still. It's a lot going on. And I had a conversation with you and I don't want to say I was concerned about you because I wasn't really concerned about you, but I heard in your voice that something was not 100%. So I think that we were going to have a meeting to do some work and I think we should have just pulled out the microphone. So here we are just kind of coming together because I think this is going to be good therapy for you, just being back on the mic. I know. Well, thanks for acknowledging that I am a nut job. No, I did not. Did you hear that? Did you just see how you turned that around on yourself? Yeah. You know, I think what's happened, and it is good to be back with the microphone and the earphones and so on and so forth. This is kind of like a safe haven. This unpolished therapy has really turned into a quasi real therapy for me. And, you know, to the listeners out there, we are on hiatus still. And then somehow here we are back on the microphone because it does help me. The last several weeks, I think I have been at this all-time kind of rocking in the corner in the closet, sucking my thumb, proverbially speaking, but kind of literally also as I sit here again, you know, a year into this COVID thing in my pajamas with no bra, it's kind of like, look how far we've come and look at how many steps back we've also taken. And I wonder, Dr. Boca, if, again, if we use me sort of as that litmus test, guinea pig barometer of emotional angst and emotional growth and everything in between, if I'm at this place of flux, Mm -hmm. okay, I wonder if other people are. And that was kind of my initiative to maybe jump back on the microphone, even if we are very unpolished and we're not as organized as we thought we would be. And all of our guests that we have coming down the pipe for season three, I'm not ready to even do that yet because there's just been so much cloudiness in my head. And if there is, as I mentioned with me, could there potentially be with others? Absolutely. I mean, Uh this is the time, right? Because now we thought we got it all together. We figured out COVID. We figured out removing ourselves from all people, keeping ourselves safe, keeping ourselves hibernated, keeping ourselves with our children and our masks and our schedules and our kids weren't in school and everything was like in its safe little place. And now with the vaccines, and that is a whole topic unto itself, just getting the vaccine and the chaos to get it. And then when you get it, all the side effects and the angst that goes with it because you're expecting side effects. Some people don't get them, some people do. But now we have to like maybe start getting back on with life. And what we're seeing is so many people have really become isolated and inclusive, like introverted, introverted, like, yeah, like they're in their safe place. And the thought of like going out into the big, bad, scary world again, on top of the unknown about maybe getting it, if you've had the vaccine, not getting it, if you didn't have the vaccine, and it's not all about COVID for sure. But I think that a lot of us who, well, I said us, but I'm not an introvert. So I think the people that were introverted before this started and were highly anxious people before this started have embraced the 
isolation and the removal from society that this afforded them. The people who have been anxious and extroverted are kind of like in this pull also because they know they need to get back into the real world because that's who they are. That's their persona. That's where they draw their energy from the world. And they haven't had that opportunity. And so they're kind of like, but I like being safe. And yet I feel disconnected and not myself. I think you hit the nail on the head because the latter is exactly kind of where I am. And I get emotional talking about it. And I think it's important to be unedited, right? Mm -hmm. And be unpolished and share with people that this, this year, you know, through the laughter and through the self-deprecation and all of the behind the scenes joking around about the stress of COVID and being home and laughing at TikTok videos or whatever that is, or, or the stuff online. And the biggest thing in the beginning of all this was the hysteria in a very casual way of, you know, that our biggest problem was that we can't get waxed, mm-hmm. right? Or we can't get our hair colored or a manicure or a pedicure. Ha ha ha, isn't that funny? And we're still home with air conditioning and we're still cooking and we still have all these beautiful luxuries. So we know on the one hand that these first world problems are just that. But on the other hand, as time goes on, that bridge is gapped. And for someone like me that I am so grateful and blessed for all the things we still do have. But to your point of like being an extrovert, I forgot. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, me, Rachel Silver Cohen, who's always out and about and laughing or trying to be smart and witty or whatever. I'm at this limbo now where it's like, it's time to get back out into the world. And what does that mean? Who are my people? Where are my people? Where did they go? Who am I now as a result of this past year? And that is anxiety producing. Absolutely. The gravest of ways, the most unpolished of ways. I don't know how else to say it except to just say it through the tears and to share that. That if I feel it, do other people feel that too? It's it's a struggle. It is. And, and you're not the only person, Rachel. We are all feeling it on some level. And I think it also is relative to the, the sense of control that we have in our lives and how we've conceptualized the pandemic this whole time. If you came from this place of you were still engaging and still doing just being careful, it may not be as striking a difference to go from isolation back into the real world because you were never fully isolated. I think what a lot of people are questioning, like you mentioned, is who are my people now? Because you realize when you pull back, you see a little bit clearer when you're not actually in the picture and you're looking at it from a distance. You see, who are my people? Who are my friends? What do I have in common with these people anymore? If I was on a deserted island or, you know, experiencing something traumatic and horrible, who are the people that I reached out to or would want to reach out to me? And that's going to look very different. And the landscape out there looks very different. The things that we want to do, the things that we can do financially for a lot of people, the options are very limited of what they can do. Businesses that people used to have and banked everything on are no longer. Our favorite restaurants don't even exist anymore. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Well, what are we going to do? That's the big elephant in the room in the question, because I look at it as well as be careful what you wish for. It may come true. 
you know, and I guess our listeners at this point know, I have a full-time job and I grind it out day in and day out. And for the last year and change, we've all had to pivot and we've been working from home. So in the beginning of this mess, it was a luxury item to continue to work, to have money coming in, thank God, but to do it from the comforts of my own home so I could keep my kids safe and protected and be here for them and so on and so forth. Now, a year later, I, you know, I joke, but not really that I'm like rocking in the corner alone and isolated, working from home still to the same degree, if not more, because I have more time Mm -hmm. to just put in those hours. And now I am craving that dynamic of the business colleague world per se, where are those people that now did I take that for granted a year ago? The, my working colleague business relationship, it, it wasn't your typical office kind of environment. It was sort of every man for themselves, but you still did have the camaraderie and the energy. And, and, and the energy that's mm-hmm. the perfect word. I'm the only one energized here. And as you can see, you know, there's not as much energy at all. And it's, that is painstakingly confusing. Mm -hmm. There's limbo in that. What is the deal folks with that piece? And then you couple it in with the social aspect and the little bit of going out and seeing how people are engaging or not engaging. I was out last night, my kids, I'm allowing them to play flag football, which is great. And Mm -hmm. it's nice to see people. And there are people who I literally have not seen in over a year. It's crazy. 14 months. But then like they don't have a mask on or Mm -hmm. it's like as if COVID doesn't even exist. And I'm the one, yeah, we're still outside, but I still have a mask on. And it's almost like I'm now, you know, what's wrong with this picture kind of, which in my opinion, there isn't anything wrong with it, but I'm the only one. Mm -hmm. And that's confusing for me. Yeah, no, I I think the masks in and of itself are confusing everywhere. I mean, you go from one state to another or one even city to another and the rules and regulations are so different. And so I, I, I do understand why people are confused about that. And it's very divisive. It's a very divisive topic because some people don't believe in masks or they choose not to wear them after they're vaccinated or whatever. And other people do. And we have to kind of be respectful of that. But in and of itself, that kind of draws a line between who are the people that I want to be with because I want to be with the people who are not necessarily like-minded, but at least are honoring whatever it is that I'm honoring and having respect for whatever it is. So the the landscape has changed and it's very confusing and it's very hard. And going back to the work idea, I mean, if I said to you, I, I know that you've lived in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. before and Manhattan. If I said to you, Rachel, as of September 1st, you have to get back in the metro or you have to get back on the subway. Like, wait, what? I'm looking at your face right now and your eyes were like, I don't know if that was where are you going with this, Dr. Boca? Or, oh my God, I might vomit, right? But, oh my God, if I had to get into a metro today, like, am I getting into a metro? Like, that's just weird to me. But here's the thing, and this is the piece with my unpolishedness that I wonder, and I put it out to the listeners, if they can relate to this. As you say, yes, my body temperature is rising, literally rising, okay? That that tingling feeling, mm-hmm. which I do think is part of this like anxiety type of disorder, type of quasi disorder, because mm-hmm. high level functioning, you know, anxiety ridden person that probably I bring on myself and mm-hmm. that's part of my, my makeup. But at the same time, and this is the piece that's so fucked up, the idea of getting up in the morning 
getting dressed, blowing my hair, putting a little bit of makeup on, high heels, a suit, whatever, mm-hmm. and, and getting in my car, you know, because we're, we're not in right. a city, but even if we were, okay, and getting on a subway or a metro or a taxi or whatever, there's something so exciting about that to Absolutely. me. Does that mean Normal. I'm actually getting out of this house and I'm back into the world and I am more than just dipping my toe in the water? And I'm craving that more than I can convey in words and and emotion. Right. But that's where it is. It's you're craving this, right? And then the reality hits as to, is it going to be the same as it was? And it's not. And we haven't figured out what that's going to look like. And that's the anxiety piece. Because look, I'll tell you, I've been doing telehealth for over a year now, right? And let me tell you, it's great. Right. I can sit down in my, in my home office. I can zoom on. I can zoom off or whatever platform I'm using. My next person, I don't have to drive anywhere. I don't have to do anything. I can like run to the bathroom, go into the kitchen. Like it's great. I can walk my dog. I can pick up my kids from school, but I'm an extrovert. I need to be around people. So I literally this week signed a lease for a new office. Right. And my husband is like, what are you doing? Like you don't need an office. And I'm like, do you know me? Like, do you know my personality? Of course I need an office. I need to, between patients, see humans and have a conversation with them. And then he said to me, he's like, but you realize that not everybody's going to want to have the conversation with you. Like the the water cooler conversations Uh that used to happen, Uh like the lingo, I'm not like corporate, but those may not happen anymore. I mean, he has to travel right now back up to New York for the first time. And he has to find a new office for his office right? Because they got rid of their office. And I'm like, right now he has an office. He has an a no office. It's a great word, an office. <laughs> so in his no office, and what would the apartment be? An apartment? I, uh, like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whatever unpolishedness we can come up with. He has to find all of this now. And I said, but do you need as much space, like overhead? And he was like, I don't know what I need right now. I have no idea what that space is going to look like. And that's the truth. Nobody really knows. We just have to do like everything else. We have to put one foot in front of the other. We have to live in the moment of trying and see, I mean, Yoda would be mad at me because like, there's no try, there's just do. And I agree with that. We have to do. Right. Doesn't Yoda say you either can or cannot, there is no in between yeah, or something like that. Yeah, you either can or cannot, there is no... In between. <laughs> no, I think it's, there's try and do. Can or cannot or, or right? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I think, think it's can, can or cannot. So does it not try there, and no do? And I just made that up. I don't know. But don't we always say that we hate the word trying? Yes. Trying is like, you have to do. I'm probably not going to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to like, maybe. Right. You know, I, I, I mean, the whole point- a, and we change that word to like attempt. I'm going to attempt. It's just a more positive way to say that you're going to give it a go. You're going to give it a go. Trying is kind of like when your kid asks you to do something and you're like, we'll see. To me, we'll see means no, we won't. <laughs> we're, we're, we're definitely, answers definitely no. I just don't have the balls to say. Exactly. No. Well, I'm glad that we're all on the same page on that one too. I hope my kids are not listening and right. learning our strategies about this. But we have to just do. And this is where the anxious person gets tripped up. Because in the action of doing, or in the preemptive action of doing, there's all this anticipatory anxiety of what that do is going to look like. And so we start thinking about all the things, the negative things that can go wrong, or all the possibilities of the things that are going to frighten us, or all the hurdles and the roadblocks that are going to come up. And that just increases and increases and increases the anxiety, which ultimately will paralyze them from being able to do. I will always say that anticipatory anxiety is the worst 
emotion, or it's not emotion, but the worst experience we can have because we've created that. We've created that all in our head. We are anticipating something that we have zero control over and we don't know. So where I go as, you know, an unpolished therapist here is let's challenge those thoughts that a high functioning, to quote you, the high functioning, capable neurotic or whatever words you use are saying to yourself and let's challenge those based on reality. So when you start getting those anxious thoughts of what's it going to look like or, you know, but now my kids are going to get exposed or maybe I should be wearing a mask or maybe I shouldn't be wearing a mask or is there going to be war? Let's just break it down thought by thought and say, okay, are my kids going to get sick? And I think we talked about this in season one. Yeah, they might get sick. They might. However, they're probably not going to die. They are going to school, which they need to because of the social and emotional toll it's going to take, which is likely going to be worse than they're actually going to get if they get sick. And then we can start calming ourselves down from that. And this works with every, every thought we have. Right. Okay. Well, I want to make two points. One, before I get to the point I want to make, I just want to tell you this might be a good time, everyone out there, to do my famous disclaimers (laughs) that in no way, shape, or form is this any type of real organized therapy. We want to protect Dr. Boca. We are just two people who are shooting the shit about shit. And (laughs) let's keep that all in check. Thank you. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, to your point that you just said that we were tying this all to COVID as the big, huge umbrella. I want to break it down though and remind everyone and most notably myself on this. I don't even think it's about COVID anymore. Right. And that's the piece I want to make. I'm not saying that COVID doesn't exist because it certainly does. And my kids apparently now like there's this, and I know I'm always late to the party on this, but this phrase about like being a Karen. My, okay. my daughter just said that to me right. yesterday. That's like a thing. And and for those of you who listeners out there who maybe are in a different age demographic and you're like a Karen, what's a Karen? Apparently a Karen is like one of those like annoying moms who is either always calling over the manager or is complaining about something or is hyper alert and, you know, a nervous Nelly, if you will. And yes, to some degree, I am. And when my kids get on top of me, oh, mom, you're being such a Karen or relax, mom, you're a Karen. Depending on what it is, I'll say, you know what? Me being on top of you about A, B, C, and D, whether it's make sure you have a mask, make sure you're washing your hands, make sure you're staying socially distant in that COVID category or with anything else, you know, is your homework done? Put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt on. If someone sent you a gift, did you write a thank you note? Text me when you get there. Exactly. your manners, all that crap. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If that's what makes me a Karen, you know what? God damn it. You're, you're right. right. You can call me Karen. <laughs> and I'm proud of that. And I don't want to, I don't want to be disrespected by that. But but with that being said, back to, you know, that, that I don't want to just make it about COVID. I think what COVID has done to me, and now I'm kind of just assuming if it can't just be me, it's, not. it's made me hyper aware and alert and anxious and riddled with the questions and concerns and uncertainty in my life that much greater. And that's where I'm having those hyper alert anxiousness kind of episodes, if you will. So it's not unlike a trauma. COVID was a trauma for all of us. And I think that we as psychologists and mental health professionals are going to see an influx in what we look at as like um, PTSD symptomology in a lot of our patients. And one of those symptoms or one of the signs of it is a hypervigilance. 
And I do think that that's a very real thing that is happening as we have become way more hypersensitive and way more hypervigilant to the most subtle of things that we weren't before. Our anxiety has increased. I've said this to everybody, those people that have had anxiety, it has gotten so much worse. And people who have never had anxiety got a taste of what anxiety feels like. Yeah. I Again, you're hitting the nail on the head. To me, I kind of title it in my own head as like, COVID kicked the living shit out of me and I didn't even have COVID. Right? <laughs> so true. Right? I mean, that's kind of all of us. in a nutshell. And it's not to say that, you know, potentially we couldn't get it, but that is really how, if I were to title it in one sentence, I'm going to say right. it again. It's a great sentence. COVID kicked the living shit out of me and I didn't even have COVID. So to the listeners out there, if you feel even the littlest bit of what I'm saying here, I want you to know. And again, I get choked up when I say it. I know. I empathize with you and I get it. And it's been, it's been a roller coaster. It really has been. And I hope that we can all kind of band together. And, and the irony, even in that sentence, how do we band together again when we've all been so disconnected mm-hmm. and isolated? And what is the initiative to do it in a healthy, communicative way where we are mentally and emotionally and spiritually and literally physically. I mean, even with the hugging situation, Mm -hmm. I'll be somewhere and someone will like reach in for a hug. And it's kind of like, I don't know, like, am I hugging? Am I not hugging? I'm dying for a hug. Um, It's all very confusing. Well, let's, and I agree with all of that. And I empathize with everybody. Look, as even though I'm a therapist, right? I've experienced all of this. I'm not trying to sit here as though I don't understand and that I'm better than anybody about it. I have seen it more pervasively in my office than most people see it because they're talking to one friend or one friend or whatever. It is real. And the way I think that we kind of re-engage is kind of like when we were in, we don't really remember this, but in preschool where we had to figure out social interactions with people, figure out social cues, start to engage in quote-unquote play, right? Learn how to share again, learn how to be kind to people, learn how to help out in certain situations. The basic things that we used to take for granted because we knew how to socialize in the real world, we have to start doing now again. We have to put ourselves out there and understand that the emotional and social connection that we're making is more important at this point to our continued happiness and success as as stable human beings than the risk, if you've been vaccinated, of dying from COVID. So now we kind of have to make a mental shift that we now have to focus on our social emotional well-being that has kind of been put on the back burner because everyone was just so scared of dying. So now that we're there, we have to start putting ourselves out and we have to lead with kindness and respect for wherever everybody is in that process. You know, like when we started school, there were those kids that could read and then those kids that couldn't read and then those kids that could like maybe sound out a few letters. And we had to be respectful of where all of them were, but we always said they'd all catch up at some point, like they're not going to be married and not being reading, you know. That's what happens. It's just going to be a process of talking to people. I hope in this process, we've become more self-aware in all the time that we had to be pensive and perseverate on who we are and what we wanted to look like post-COVID. So we have to be very honest with our friends, our coworkers and whoever, what we're comfortable with and what we're not comfortable with. And if we're not comfortable, we don't have to then come down on ourselves. Like when you were saying, like, 
I don't understand. I'm wearing a mask. Like, what's wrong with me that I'm wearing the mask? Nothing's wrong with you. You have to move at the level that you're comfortable moving in. And I know you, Rachel, to know that you are your hardest critic, right? You are so, I mean, you're mean to yourself. And I want you to be kind to yourself. And going forward, if you can just take that, be kind to other people, be kind to yourself. Just because you're not where other people are yet, that's okay. It's in time, but you've got to start doing. You've got to start putting your feet out there. Because I assure you, if you keep doing this and staying in your house and isolating yourself from each other, all your thoughts that are negative are just going to get worse and worse and worse, which is going to paralyze you from taking the steps forward that you need. And it's going to leave you feeling like utter crap and shit. I have no other better words to say. So I think everybody, to all of our listeners, like this is the new beginning. And we hope that, or at least I hope that everybody has taken what they've learned and experienced and been thought of and is more clear about what they want this stage to look like and how they want to, um, who they want to connect with, how they want to connect. I don't think, at least I know I'm not putting up bullshit anymore. Like you don't want, like you want to blow me off or you want to say something to me and I don't like what you're saying. Like we don't have to pretend anymore because I know that if I'm back in my house for a year, we're never going to talk again. I'm good with that. So I do think good things have come out of this also, but the real lesson here is you've got to start taking the first step. I wonder what the listeners feel right now. And I think it would be so great to know. know. Listeners out there, write us or comment on social media or, you know, communicate with us so that we know it, it. We hope that we help you between my tears and Dr. Boga's insight. But you guys help us too. And and at least for me, I'll put it out there. It would be so helpful to get some feedback on where you folks stand in this whole process. And if you relate or if you don't or what you've used as tools in your own journey through this last 14, 15 months. You know, teacher, student, we're all both. And we could use some feedback on that. And, you know, I think what's so wonderful about the podcast is even though if I'm not saying something brilliant, which I'm never saying anything brilliant and it's very unpolished, what I'm hoping what Rachel's authenticity and, and, and my authenticity and, our, and Rachel's vulnerability and the few insights that I might give you, that you're thinking about these things. And what's great about the podcast is there's time that can go by. And you can kind of think about this. And, you know, an example is Rachel shared something with me that I hope you'll share with the listeners before we we wrap up. The sibling one that we did a couple weeks ago, whenever it was, that in other circumstances, if you were learning it in class or something, you would close the book and the chapter would be over and you would move on and you would never have an opportunity to process or move forward. But on the other side of this, when we do, we can kind of now have real conversations with people and really connect with them in meaningful ways. You shared with me this example that you and your brother had that I hope you would share with the listeners because I think it's important that when we get quote unquote listener feedback, right, that we're asking for, good things can come of it. Yes. And I'm happy to share that. So thanks for reminding me on that. So yeah, several episodes ago, we had done this episode on siblings. I'm sure you folks remember it. And thereafter, my brother had listened and we ended up having an about, I would say, an hour and a half long conversation about 
the podcast and his opinions of it and my opinions and so on and so forth. And of course, the, on my end, as unpolished as I may be, there's never any ill will or malintent to hurt or have, you know, negative feelings or whatnot. But also, you know, you, you still want to stay true to form. And I think my brother was kind of caught off guard. And I just want to also put the disclaimer out there that in our hour and a half conversation, he did then give me permission afterwards to share that we had spoken and there were some things that he was not overly comfortable with and he had wished that potentially I had kind of asked permission on. And I didn't necessarily agree because I didn't think I was saying anything that was off-putting. But what that podcast did is that it opened up the door for he and I to communicate Mm -hmm. in a way to have mutual respect, to walk away saying, you're not right and I'm wrong or I'm not right and you're wrong, that we both kind of have to listen more. And that's what came out of it. And we kind of giggled at the end. I mean, it was, an, it was an emotional drain, I think, for both of us. But to hang up the phone and having no one screaming or yelling or, <laughs> or, or having taken steps back, but only feeling as though we both took steps forward as a result of an emotional topic, that was a win. So absolutely, you know, I, again, I kind of want to just put out to the world that the goal is never to hurt anyone's feelings or do anything that would make the other person shudder in the sense of shock value in a negative way. Mm -hmm. But part of putting your truth out there and, and sharing emotions as unpolished as they may be is taking the risk that then maybe what that does is just opens up, up the door to to have those real conversations behind closed doors. And to have more connection. And the reason that I brought that up, and I think it's a beautiful story and a beautiful experience that you and your brother had, is because it's a microcosm of what we were just talking about, is if you can go into those conversations, into this new post-COVID world with respect and appreciation that you can be right, you can be right, or I don't see it the same way, but that's okay. And we can have these conversations. We can engage again with other people. We can be honest with our thoughts and our feelings. We can set the boundaries that we need to. We can stand up for ourselves. We can invite other people into our vulnerability and know that you know we're sharing to connect. The end result can be growth. The end result can be the connection that we actually have been craving, but we're so anxiety-laden about getting there. So I kind of wanted to use that to show you that you already have the tools and you already know that it works because you had the experience. And now if we can generalize it out into the real world, there's not as much to be afraid of. Like we can do this. We know we have the tools to do all of this. We just have to be confident in our ability to say, hey, this doesn't feel good. Or, hey, I need a little bit more of this and advocate for our needs and be kind and mutually respectful of the needs of other people. All right. And that's probably like a great place to to wrap it up that we can use COVID potentially, you know, as the, the big reason. But in the grand scope of life, it's really just the conduit to all the things in our life that we use, you know, to point to as this was the trauma. And as a result of that, mm-hmm. um, at least that's what I'm, my takeaway is going to be that COVID probably the anxiety was, was laying dormant a little bit. It wasn't and, that dormant, Rachel. Well, it wasn't that dormant. It was kind of always, <laughs> yeah. but, but COVID, I guess maybe heightened it. I just, yes. I don't want to put 
I don't want to give COVID no, all that, that power. much power. Sure. It, exactly. But it was I, a reset for a lot of people. It was like a, it was slowed down the, the world enough to then realize like whack-a-mole when you close up one hole and you pat, pop that thing down, something else emerges and some of the underlying real shit emerges, which is why we're seeing heightened anxiety, which brings me to what our, my last thought is I would really like to do an episode on anxiety. I think that we talk about it a lot. I'm not sure that there's so many anxiety diagnoses and I'm not even trying to diagnose people, but there's so many anxiety diagnoses, so many anxiety symptoms. It looks different in different people. There's ways to combat it. There's ways to work with it. There's ways to treat it. There's ways to actually get good from it. And I, I think it warrants a podcast at some point. Well, sign me up for that because I could <laughs> definitely use some help in that category. So Y-E-S, yes, let's get that on the docket. With that being said, you know, I appreciate your time, Dr. Boca. I cannot do this without you. And you are my, my, you know, trusty partner here. And I appreciate it. You always make me feel better. And, you know, that goes a long way. So I appreciate that. To all of the listeners out there, anxiety riddled or not, I hope that, you know, 45 minutes later, you are less anxious. If when you started the podcast, maybe you were knotted up. Hopefully you're a little less knotted now as I am. There's always more to come. We look forward to sharing our stories, our truths, our vulnerabilities, our fears, our cheers, all of it with you as we move forward. Wednesdays are wonderful days for us as unpolished as they may be. So with that being said, have a great week, everyone. Please write us. Please reach out. Review, rate. Let us know how you're feeling from an anxiety standpoint, a lack thereof, anything in between. We always want to hear from you. And with that being said, we will see you next time. This has been Rachel Silver Cohen and Dr. Boga for Unpolished Therapy. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone, like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.